0: Good morning, everybody. We're going to go on and get started because we have a limited time. So uh, thank you all so much again for coming to conference. All of you just making yourselves comfortable on the floor. This is great. If you have something to write with or on, that would be great. If you don't, just kind of look around. Maybe if you have notes, uh, 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 taking notes is just always better than trying to remember things. And I believe that there are things that God is going to speak to you even during this session uh, that you're gonna want to remember. So make a wise choice. Invest in your own spiritual growth and take some notes. Um, even just throughout conference, not just my session. So glad you guys are are here. Can I have my friends maybe like on the, on the side section? Can y'all kind of come in? Can we all that way? I just like to see people. You know, as I'm speaking, sometimes when I see faces, God just kind of speaks things So all of my people. Just on the on the. Can y'all just kind of fill in here? We're all family. Y'all are good in section 10. So just come as far as maybe section 10 and section three. Thank you guys so, so much. So honored that you're here with us at Desperation July Conference. How many of you are having a great time so far? Let me hear you. God has, God has so much. God has so much to say to us and I think that many times as Christ followers, we make the mistake of just kind of underestimating God. Ephesians 3 and 20 says now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, think or imagine according to the power That is at work on the inside of us. I just want to remind some and inform others that there is a supernatural river of God. The very spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. That is longing for you to speak. Pastor Brady set it up so incredibly. There's a desire and there's a longing in the heart of God. To be able to communicate to his sons and daughters, for you to hear his voice and for him to hear your voice. And that's a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. I would tell jokes and try to be funny and all of that. I'm not great at that anyways, and I don't want to waste your time. Uh, You can do that on your buses or just in between sessions. Catch me in between sessions, and I'll tell you a joke and try to be funny. But I have a limited amount of time this morning, and I honestly feel like God has given me a word to speak to you. And so for some of you, it's gonna be absolutely liberating. For others, it's gonna be a moment where you are provoked in your, in your inner man, in your spirit, as scripture talks about in your heart, to really go after God, specifically to really have a, a, an authentic desire to hear the voice of God. Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding in the Greek, there is a there's a present tense. So by every word that is now coming out of the mouth of God, yes, the things that God said years ago, but what is God saying to you right now? Jesus said, that's what your life is based on. Amen. Amen. So we don't have to be quiet. This is you can be quiet. Another session. I'm going to encourage you to talk back to me. Let me get some amens. Let me get some man that that is talking to me. So everybody going to be verbal with me. I'll preach a whole lot better if you help me. All right. All right. Come on. All right. So let's go to the father in prayer just for a moment here before we get started. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is full of power that it is anointed, and even today, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would breathe upon the words that are coming out of my mouth, God. Let my words be your words, God. We need to hear from you, Jesus. I thank you that every person under the sound of my voice and those that are watching online at Rev TV and and watching across the country, God, I thank you. We all just need to hear from our Father this morning, so speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody, is your first time at Desperation, first time coming to conference, so great. God, that is a huge amount of you guys. So around Desperation, we live out something just called the vow. And the idea is, Pastor David was explaining it earlier, and the one that I'm talking about is passion. And basically to summarize that, it's just this principle that we have chosen to live by that, you know what, daily we're going to carve out special alone time with God, where we lean in and we hear his voice and we worship him and we read the Bible and we ask him, God, what do you have to say to me? And then we take those verses and we pray those back to God, those ideas, those principles. And so specifically this, this vow session, this is on passion. I want us to go straight to the, to the word of God this morning. I want to read from first Samuel chapter three. First Samuel chapter three, if you have your Bibles or if you're scrolling to it, it, should also be on the screens, I believe. First Samuel chapter three, and I'll start at verse one. First Samuel three, starting at verse one, it says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. Verse 3 says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, listen to this, was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Everybody say, where the ark of God was. Verse 4 says, then the Lord said, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me, but Eli said... I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went in, he laid down. Verse six says, and again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Are we in verse nine yet? I may have skipped here. Sorry about that. Seven, my son, uh, or verse six, my son Eli said, I did not call, go back and lay down. Verse seven, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse eight says, the Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Verse 10 says, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. I wanna read verse three again, just for context. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel's lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. I wanna speak to you this morning just from the thought, asleep Near the ark, asleep near the ark. Everybody say, Asleep near the ark. So I just want to share with you guys a little bit about my personal just testimony. Again, we're talking about having passion for God, passion about and for the things of God. And so early on in my teenage years, whenever I just encountered the Lord in a supernatural way, it was January 21st, 2000. I remember it just like yesterday in my kitchen. I've been serving God for a while. I grew up in church, but this day kind of marked everything. I just had this intense encounter with the Holy Spirit in my kitchen. No one else is around watching this preacher on television talking about the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just encounters me in a way that I had never experienced before. January 21st, 2003, 42 PM. I remember looking at the microwave, radical encounter with the Lord. And from that moment, from that moment on, there just begin to grow in my heart, this, this intense zeal, this intense passion, this intense fervor for both the things of God, God's heart, my purpose, what does God have me on this planet for, but also the house of the Lord. So going to church and serving in my youth ministry and this passion for God's heart, my prayer then became God, whatever is on your heart, God, the things that you love, I want to love them. The things that you hate, I want to hate them. The things that break your heart, God, let those things break my heart as well. The things that bring you joy, let those things bring me joy as well. I don't want to be just a common, average, normal Christ follower, 16, 17, 18 years old, but I want my life to make a difference for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I know, I don't know a whole lot, but I know whenever I read through the scriptures, whenever I look at the apostles, Peter and and Paul, and I read through the book of Acts and I look at the life of Jesus, there are many things that, many adjectives that we can ascribe to those who followed Christ, but one that nobody can argue. with is that they had passion can i get an amen Amen. they had this and even even jesus going to the cross many times it's called the passion hello of the movie they didn't just make that up because it was cute the idea was that it was the passion of the anointed one it was passion that sent him to the cross it was passion for you and for i that kept him on the cross and it was passion that pulled him up out of the grave can i get an amen So of all the different things and I know, love and joy and peace and patience and the fruit of the spirit, all those things. But I think that all of those can be encapsulated in this in this one idea of gosh, they were passionate about what they were doing. I mean, it took passion. If you read through the Bible, I mean, the Bible is such a great book, you should read it sometimes in Corinthians where Paul talks about, hey, I was shipwrecked, and then I was beaten, and then then I was tortured, and then, I mean, I had snake bites, and people tried to kill me, and all those different things, but it was this passion, this intense fervor, this intense zeal for God that just kept him going. Hebrews talks about, he talks about Jesus, he for whom the joy, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. It talks about us looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith um, for whom, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. It was passion that drove him to the cross. It was passion that kept him there. It was passion. It was zeal. So as a teenager, super, super passionate. But, but here's what I discovered about, about being passionate, passionate about God. Passion by definition even, is more than an emotion. It's more than an affinity or an enjoyment of God. Because what I've discovered after about months of, of really intensely serving God is that feelings will come and those same feelings will go. And the big question mark is, what are you going to do whenever the feelings go away? It's easy to have passion whenever it's ignited. I mean, passion is like fire. You, I mean, it's like wildfire. Ask us about college. You know about wildfires. I mean, how quickly it can spread. Hello. And so, so it's really, really easy because you have burning embers all around you. But I'm talking about having passion on a Friday night whenever you are tempted to go out or, or be with the wrong crowd. I'm talking about having passion at school on Tuesday morning whenever you are the only one that is serving God intensely, full of zeal for God and no one else with. So the feelings, go right out of the window and what are you going to do that's the big question mark i had to discover that passion was so much more than my emotional stirring or my affinity for god because if we were honest i think that that's the position that many of us are in we like god we like the idea of of serving god and doing great things for god but it's more of just an affinity that's cute But I'm talking about going so much deeper than that, where you have this zeal that is not based or rooted on how you feel. But it is based on the word of God and is constant in every season, no matter the trial, no matter the challenge, no matter the hardship, this passion is still in your heart. Are you guys understanding this? And so so I had to discover, you know, this is so much more than emotions or or hype or, or all of those things. So I stumbled across this verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 2. I don't have it on the screen, but just listen to it or you can turn, it, turn to it or just write it down. It says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but it is not according to knowledge. It's New King James Version. NIV says, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. And that knowledge is knowledge of the word of God. New Living Translation says, same verse, Romans chapter 10, verse two. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Whenever I came across that verse, it just kind of struck me in my high school years. And I said, God, I want my passion for you. I don't want it to just be this fleeting thing that just kind of comes and goes with the ebb and flow of life. But I want a zeal for God because in reading the word, in reading the word, sometimes it's just, I mean, it's all fluffy and it brings you joy. But then sometimes we come up to the word of God and it's like a mirror and it shows us who we really are. And that can be uncomfortable. He never leaves us hopeless. Okay. So he always gives, okay, this is how, this is what you need to fix. This is what you need to correct. Okay. And so I came across that verse and I was like, oh God, that's probably what you would say about me. He has a zeal for God. He has enthusiasm for God, but it is not rooted and grounded in the word, in the word. And so so coming across that, I feel like so many teenagers, even today, we've got to have this zeal that is according to the word of God. I begin to realize that if I was gonna be in this for the long haul, it would take more than simple passion that was based on my feelings. Rather, it would take zeal that was according to knowledge, of God's word. What does God have to say? You have a choice today to be the typical average teen Christian, okay? With a little bit of passion and a little bit of zeal for God that's rooted in your emotions. So as long as you're at conference, you're fine. And as long as you're in the four walls of your youth group on a Wednesday night, you're fine. And as long as you're in the Sunday school on Sunday mornings, you're fine. But you have to go deeper. You, have to, you get to make a choice today. I can be that. Or I can be one who has passion that is rooted in God's word. It's so much more than what I feel. You see, the unique one that five years from now, your passion for the Lord will have only grown from a small, trickling, little sparkling ember into a blazing fire that is contagious on all those around you. You guys see the difference here? God's word is the thing that makes the difference. We are a prayer and a revival movement. We believe in signs and wonders at desperation. We believe in encountering Jesus in a new way and having your heart warmed and all the tingly things that come with it. But at the core of who we are, we are taking God's word and applying it to our lives daily, whether the feelings are there or whether they're not. Can I get an amen? See, quiet times, what we mean by quiet times, and I don't want to just kind of gloss over these Christian terms because we're great at doing that. We just make the assumption, oh, everybody knows. No, no, no. What we mean by daily quiet times is time to read and pray through the word. It's not glamorous. It's not glorious. Many times my quiet times are just as dry and dull, okay, as just sitting there staring at the wall. But you know what? There are these moments where the Holy Spirit just comes and breathes life, but I don't want to sell you something that's not going to happen. So let me just tell you, sometimes, and in my personal experiences, I talk to people who've served Jesus for decades and years and years. You ask them, what does your quiet time look like? It's not glamorous. It's not glorious. It's just me sitting there with God, reading his word, whether I feel something or not. And as teenagers, we are conditioned to be driven by our sensory skills that 's what that 's what television has taught us that 's what movies has taught us and that 's what drives us to all of the you know the pyrotechnics and and I mean all the different things and the special effects and the action movies and Iron Man and and the Wolverine and you know all these different things and we 're taught you know we're to you know and, and so we 're taught and we we begin to develop a pattern that that 's what drives us but life in God is so different we walk counter culture to the things of the world. This is why Paul said in Corinthians, the carnal man cannot accept, understand, or even receive the things of God because his mind has not been renewed. And many of us, our main issue is that we're just so carnal. We're Christians, but we're so carnal. We can't even understand or much less hear or or, or really go after the things of God because we're so filled with fleshly things. We are so fascinated with the world. Whenever the uncreated God comes to walk right in front of you or speak to your heart because you're used to being conditioned by all the special effects, we miss it. But I believe that there are those today who aren't going to miss it anymore because truth, a tr- one truth encounter can literally change the course of your life. Everybody understand that? A truth encounter. And so life in God just every day, day in and day out. And here's the hope, you guys. We aim for every single day. I am not perfect as a pastor. There are days whenever it's just like, wake up late, alarm clock. We got a five month old at our house right now. I mean, she's my child. She's not just at our house right now. And so, you know, her name is Ryan Nicole and she will wake up at like five something in the morning. And I'm rolling over, like putting the pillow over my head and trying to get decent sleep at night. And so I'm not saying if you don't do this every day, you just miss it, you've blown it. But the goal, the aim, the mission is God every day I'll I wanna carve out some time with you to encounter you and hear your voice and you to hear my voice. Does that make sense? God speaks to those who take the time to listen. So young Samuel, the background here for the text that I read, young Samuel, he has a mom, her name is Hannah and a father whose name is Elkanah. And as the story, or as the scripture tells us, 1 Samuel Hannah was unable to have a child. So she had gone to the local temple. She had gone where the local priest Eli was and she would go there and she was a godly woman, a woman of prayer. And she'd been crying out, God, give me a child. God, if you give me a child, I'll dedicate him or her back to you and they'll be for your use and your use alone. And they're going to serve you all their days. And and so Hannah made good on her word. God responded and God gave Hannah a child. And so after he was born, she named him Samuel. Okay, and then after Samuel was born, she came back and she brought him and she dedicated him to the temple to serve the priest named Eli. Everybody say Eli. Okay, so he grew up with Eli's sons, these two, I mean, just bad cats. I mean, these dudes are just bad. And I don't mean bad in a good way. I mean bad. Like Hophni and Phinehas were doing sins that were unthinkable, unspeakable at the time. Okay, so you have this guy, Samuel. He's living with, and living in the temple with Eli and his two hellish sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And he's just kind of going through, going through life. So he grew up with them. They are so wicked beyond description. First Samuel chapter two talks about, multiple, times in 1 Samuel chapter 2, it talks about Samuel, it, many times you will draw this comparison. Hophni and Phinehas are out doing the things of the world. I mean like tragic things that priests should have no business doing. And it compares Samuel ministered before the Lord. Samuel was just serving the Lord. Samuel's serving Eli. And then he goes back and says, Hophni and Phinehas, sin, 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 wickedness, wickedness, rebellion. And here Samuel is. And I believe that that's a picture many times of even Christians teenagers. are supposed to be following God. And they're out here doing whatever like Hophni and Phinehas. But you have Samuels or you have those whom God is saying today, I want to invite you to be like Samuel, where it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing, even in your own house. Because I think if we we're honest, some of us have siblings and they're older siblings, especially, and they're not exactly setting the tone and setting the right example. And God's saying, that's still no excuse not to serve me or follow me. Maybe you're the only one in your home that's really following Jesus. You're still without excuse. The grace of God is there for you. Samuel is just there serving. Huffington is doing whatever. And God says, I'm inviting you to be a Samuel. Whether you have people that's smiling for you at home or not. Can I get an amen? And so, so all through chapter two, we have this background of, of Samuel growing up and serving before the Lord. And verse 21, first uh, Samuel chapter two says, Samuel grew before the Lord. Verse 26 says, Samuel grew in stature and favor with the Lord and favor with man. There was a clear passion and clear purpose that we can see in scripture that Samuel had possessed He had a clear passion and purpose to serve God all of his days, to know God all of his days. As a priest, he was to have a special relationship with God via God's written and spoken word. Exodus 19 and 6, and here's where it comes in. And this is why I say, guys, this is an invitation for every single one of us. Exodus, God says this through Moses. He says, hey, Exodus chapter 19, verse six, you shall be to me. He's speaking to the entire nation of Israel. You shall be to me, Israel, a kingdom of priests, everybody, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, the desire of God from the very beginning of time, it was never for there to be just one little special person that can communicate to God for the masses. God never, that was his original intent. He told them, intent, he told them, I want every single one of you to be able to hear my voice. You shall be to me, Israel, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, ones who are set apart. So this is why I say this is the invitation that God has extended to you. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how long you've known God for. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your creed, your color, your background, your socioeconomic status, how much money your mama and daddy make. It does not matter. God says, I want you to be priest unto me. I want you to be able to come into my presence, and I want you to hear my voice. Amen. And so the invitation is ours, and what you choose to do with that invitation, there's serious consequences. And so Samuel had to make some hard choices. You are going to have to make some hard choices, choosing greatness. Over just being good or average teenage Christian. When Hophni and Phineas were out there choosing unrighteousness, Samuel was constantly before the Lord. He had a pattern of ministering to the Lord. Another word or another idea there is just in worship before the Lord. God, what can I do today? It's like Pastor Brady was saying, God, what are you doing today? And how can I come in agreement? How can I partner with what you are doing in my school, in my home, in the grocery store, at the football game? God, what are you doing and how can I be a part? He had a pattern of worshiping God consistently. And many of you would ask, you know, Pastor Brandon, how do you, how do you gain passion for, for, for God? And I would say, you just, you get alone with God. How do you cultivate passion? You just get alone with God. And there's some principles, that, but, but, but the bottom line is you and God. Do you dare to be alone? we are the ones who even throughout this conference, when nobody else is in the prayer room, do you dare to go there? Maybe skip a lunch or skip a breakfast or skip a dinner or, or take 20 or 30 minutes and go there. Nobody else is there. It doesn't matter. But you're there ministering before the Lord. God, what are you doing in this conference? What are you doing in my youth group? And how can I be a part? I believe God is looking for Samuels in this session, even today. To say, Lord... I want to be used by you. I want to hear your voice on a consistent basis. Sometimes I'll miss it. Sometimes I'll mess up. Sometimes I'll forget. But God, the overarching theme of my life is he or she is one who ministered to the Lord. Who ministered to the Lord. An amazing mentor in my life says, how do you you cultivate passion? You find something you're willing to die for and then you live for it. Genie Mayo says that. Romans twelve eleven never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Again, the mark or one of the marks of a disciple. A true follower of Christ is that they have passion. Passion is not a personality trait. Passion is not something you conjure up and you fake for everyone else. I'm talking about more than emotions and more than, I'm talking about being passionate. Even on the hard days, there's still an ache in your heart to say, Jesus, I want you. I want to partner with you. And God, I need to hear your voice. Yes, I may have messed up yesterday, the day before, last week. I sinned, I fail. But the overarching theme in my heart is, God, I want you above everything and everyone else on the face of this planet. That sounds like a commandment to me. It's not a suggestion. It sounds like a a commandment, not a suggestion. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It turns my stomach Whenever I see teenagers, especially, or young adults, we can get so excited about all sorts of different things. But whenever we come to the house of God, the most exciting being on the face of the planet and even outside of our system, God shows up via the Holy Spirit. And we are not oftentimes as excited about that as we are about the new video game or the new movie that's coming out or the new restaurant that we just found or the great sale that we just found at H&M or wherever it is that you show. Whatever it is, God is calling us. Us, to walk and to live in passion, an intense zeal and fervor for him. I'm just asking, where are the passionate ones? Where are the Samuels in this room? Those who say 10 years from now, passion doesn't die. It doesn't wane as you get older. It should grow. I met some of the most passionate people. It's not teenagers that are jumping around in, the conference, in a conference, but I know 60 and 70 and 50 and 80-year-olds who have this intense fervor for the things of God. That's where I want to be one day, you guys. So I'm not talking about something over the next few months, being passionate in high school, oh, that's cute, or making it through college, and then you're passionate, and then you get married and everything. I'm telling you, it gets more and more difficult as you get older because responsibilities kick in and you have to pay bills and you have to work and you have to raise a family and be married and take care of people and all these different things. So this is not something for those of you who would think, oh, I'll just be passionate whenever I'm 30. Oh, I'll just get some, I'll get a little passion whenever I'm 25 or no, 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 It starts now. You begin cultivating it now in your teenage years so that 10 years from now, you will have a history of serving Jesus, of loving Jesus so intensely that even in the moments of temptation, maybe, dare I even say, where you're the only one in your little circle in college, but you still got this lifestyle of passion for Jesus still having a quiet time 20 years from now, sitting on your back porch or wherever, on your lunch break at work saying, you know what? I want Jesus more than anything else. He is my exceedingly great reward. Amen? Are you guys getting this this morning? I want to be a person of passion. And so looking at, looking at Samuel, looking at Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter three, I want to go back to that, back to that verse First Samuel chapter three and looking at verse three, it says the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the scripture goes on to say that the Lord called out to Samuel. There's something really significant even here in scripture. I believe that Holy Spirit is even just speaking to me this morning as I was kind of adding to this message. The ark of the covenant. Everybody say the Ark of the Covenant, also known as the Ark of God. Everybody say Ark of God. Okay, come on. This isn't just some old like, oh, that was billions of years ago or thousands of years ago and it's not really important. No, this is central to our faith. We've got to know the word of God, people. Okay, so the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, the instructions for building it are, is found in the book of Exodus, in the Old Testament. And, and we found more instructions in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible or the Torah. Okay, and so there were specific specifications that God had given to those who were building the, the temple, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, so here was the big deal about the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant. It was a symbol, but it was so much more than that. It was literally the box, the the God box where God is both omnipresent and then we have something that we call the manifest presence of God. So God is everywhere at the same time, but then there are these moments where we can tangibly almost feel the presence of God. Many of you have felt that during conference and you're wondering, why why do I get warm fuzzies? you whatever. Many times that's the presence of God. Why does my heart stop? start beating real quickly. And I get uh, that's the manifest presence of God. That is one way in which he kind of manifests or he kind of reveals himself. But in the old Testament, God said, there's one place where I'm going to allow my manifest presence to be. Whenever you walk, whenever you even got close to this, to this Ark of the covenant, this thing you literally felt and you sense the God of the universe, the God of the ages is right here in this box. But at the same time, he is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. And so it was extremely important. So therefore only the priests were even, or the Levites specifically, were given the task to kind of uh, carry around the presence of God. They were anointed. They had to live a certain way. They had to be holy, consecrated, set apart for their own good, not for God's own good. The Bible says that no flesh can ever glory in my presence. God also says, I'll share my glory with no one. No one can literally come into the presence of God without being covered with Jesus' blood and live. It's too holy. He's too perfect. Everybody understand that? So the ark of God was a big deal. The ark of the covenant in the temple. And so, but, but I make this such a big deal because this is where Samuel literally was sleeping And it's a picture of him saying, you know, God, not just during the day, not just whenever it's convenient, but God, in the middle of the night, if I even just happen to wake up, God, I want you to be on my mind. I want to be wholly consecrated, wholly set apart. I want my eyes, even in the nighttime seasons, God, to gaze upon you. So Samuel sleeping near the ark, I believe that is so significant even in scripture because it is a model for us to follow, to have this heart driven by the presence of God. Amen? So the ark literally symbolizes whenever we read it in Scripture, the presence of God. And what was inside of the ark of the covenant. Is this too deep for y'all? Are y'all doing okay? Is this okay? Are y'all okay? Okay, so I can, yeah. So in the ark of the covenant, the Bible says that there were three things. Everybody say three things. This is important to our discussion. One was the copy of the commandments. The copy of the commandments. So this is revealed or this is talked about in Old Testament, but also in Hebrews chapter nine, verse four. So there was a copy of the commandments, which literally this represented God's covenantal concern for his people. That they were a special people that was set apart, the Israelites, from every other nation on the face of the planet. And so I believe that one of the things that are in the Ark of the Covenant just kind of symbolizes for us as we have our quiet times, as we live out this idea of being people who are gathered around the presence of God, is that it's a reminder of who we are in light of him and how we should live. So I'm giving you purposes. These are these are blessings. These are benefits of having quiet times every day because I don't know about you, but every day I need to go back to God and ask him, God, tell me who I am in light of the cross. Don't tell me who I am in light of all of my mistakes and my shortcomings and my failures because they are too many to count. But Lord, would you tell me it's discouraging? It's depressing, okay? Even as Pastor David was talking about last night, you're not that great outside of Jesus, okay? OK, so if we think about that too long. It's like unbelievable. So we go to God and we say, Father, even as Samuel slept near the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments were in there. It's a reminder. This is who you are. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are royalty. You're called to be priests of God. Meaning you are called, you are anointed, you are chosen, you are handpicked, specially favored to come into the presence of God and to hear his voice. It's a big deal because in the Old Testament, the only ones that the presence of God would come on like that were prophets, priests, and kings. And God gives you a title. That combines all of those in the New Testament whenever he says, you are a prophetic generation. You are a prophetic generation. You are a priestly generation. You are a holy group of people. This is who I say you are in light of the cross. But if we don't go to him every day saying, Father, just just remind me, I think if all of us were honest, we can think of moments where we literally forget who we are. And so because of that, we begin to behave in a certain way you are who you are because you believe what you believe. You do what you do because you think what you think. And so every day, again, the Ark of the Covenant, in the Ark of the Covenant, the, thing, the point about the 10 Commandments being in there, I believe, is that it's a reminder to us to go to God every day, beginning part of the day. Many times we ask, and this is just practical things, Pastor Brandon, is it okay? To, why don't I have my quiet time right before I go to bed and five minutes while I'm yawning off? No! I mean, yes, it's okay, but it's not the wisest thing. David said, early in the morning will I seek you. Pastor Brain, I'm not an early morning person. I don't care. You're not holy by your own nature either, but through Christ, you can do all things. You see what I'm saying? So it's not about what's convenient to you. It's not about your personality type. There's something about starting off the day as opposed to ending your day with, oh, Jesus, what are you gonna do through my night while I sleep? I wanna come in partnership with you. You see the difference? But at the beginning of the day, the first part of the day, Okay, not that you have to wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning, okay? But I'm just saying carve out sometimes. It's okay even if you start off maybe 10 or 15 minutes in the morning and do more during the day. I'm not saying three hours in the morning, you know, before you go to school and all. No, 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 no. But I am saying there's something pretty incredible about starting off your day, 10 or 15, 20 minutes. Start somewhere. Do something, okay? It's a quantity. It's a quality, not the quantity of the time where you say, Jesus, I come before you where you read a verse or two or a chapter, depending on where you are, we're all on this journey growing together. But as a part of that discussion, say, Jesus, I honestly need you to tell me again. Tell me who I am in light of the cross. Does that make sense, everybody? All right. So that is the 10 commandments. The second thing, everybody say the second thing. Second thing that was in the ark was manna. The Bible says a golden pot of Manna again, this is in Hebrews chapter nine, too. And so here's the big idea. Jesus says, hey, you shall not live. You cannot live by bread alone. You can't just eat food and in the natural and expect to grow spiritually. You will become weak and frail and you will die. And you're not destined to die. You're destined to live. Eternal life starts the moment that you accept Jesus into your heart. And so he says, okay, in addition to the Ten Commandments, the golden pot was there. And I believe that symbolizes for us, again, just like you need physical food every day, you need the word every day. You need scripture. You need verses. This is not popular. Again, this is not glamorous. I don't want to tell you just how to have a good time. I want to tell you how to endure with Jesus. Endure, bearing your cross, walking in joy, walking in peace. Whenever other ones fail by the wayside or those around you just kind of, you look around and you started off with Jesus together. But five years from now, because you've had this history of being passionate for God, specifically in the area of having a quiet time, you'll look around and you'll begin to realize where's everybody else? I have three years invested of having quiet times to express my passion for Jesus. Amen? Does that make sense to everybody? The golden pot of manna. Golden pot of manna was the second thing reminding us that every day, just like we need physical food, we need spiritual food, we must eat daily of God's word. The third thing and the final thing here was Aaron's rod. Everybody say Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod for us. Even, I believe it symbolizes God's supernatural power. It was Aaron's rod, okay, that, that, that displayed to the Egyptians that, hey, I am the God of all gods. I am the king. I have all authority and power, okay? So this couple times when we see Aaron's rod in scripture, it was always equated to the authority of God. And listen to me, teenagers. Listen to me, young people. You will not live out this Christ Fulfilled Christ honoring, Christ following life without realizing that you have power and authority in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Teenagers are fascinated with power. That's where they're drawn to the supernatural movies, many times full of witchcraft and wickedness, but that's another day, okay? So you just keep watching all your witchcraft and your wickedness and you see where that gets you five years from now. I ain't gonna get no amen, so Amen myself. So, teenagers, this culture is fascinated with the supernatural. But God put in you this fascination, this drawing, because you were built to walk in authority and power. It's God's authority. No, not your own, not the world's, not all this crazy stuff that you're seeing in movies with vampires and all those other different things. But I'm talking about real supernatural power. Acts 1 and 8, and you shall receive power after the the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Come on, somebody. So Aaron's rod, the third thing reminds you as we go to god daily father i take authority over the enemy today i was just talking to teenager even last night just saying what do i do whenever the voices come and the enemy's telling me this and, and and telling me these lies and how do i get through it and i think that that's a real picture of where so many of us are on the daily the enemy's saying this and and but i can't hear god's voice and i know what scripture says but i just can't receive it you need authority you need to realize that Jesus Christ, your authority is not based on your age. It's based upon your position in Christ. I've seen 13 and 14 year olds with more authority in God than 30 and 40 years old. year olds. Has nothing to do with your age. Has everything to do with your maturity and your realization and the time that you spend with Jesus. Where you realize that you know what God, in you I can do all things. If God be for me, who can be against me? But the enemy does not want you to know that. He wants you to think that you're weak and frail and powerless and you got to give in to sin every time and you will not have any influence and you're just got to go with the crowd. And, and no, 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 no. That's not God's will. And so even Aaron's rod, it just reminds, you know what? My God has all power and all authority. Jesus said this, all power, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And through Jesus, when we call on his name, we access that same power and authority. It's very difficult for us to realize this because we've lived powerless for so long. But I want you to have a truth encounter today. Amen? You're powerful in God. We must daily exercise our authority over the enemy. I want Ty to come real quick and I I go to this closing point. I want us to spend a few minutes just even in in prayer as we just kind of spend some time asking God to just reveal this truth in our inner man. It's one thing to have head knowledge, it's another thing to have an experiential heart knowledge in God. Where we know, you know what? These are the things that God is saying to me. And I will allow that truth to impact me eternally. Does that make sense to everyone? The last thing I want to talk about as it relates to Samuel and this divine invitation for you to walk as Samuel walked at an early age. Another benefit, another reason. You know, Samuel, as we talked about in this first Samuel chapter three, it just says that whenever God would call out to Samuel, he heard him, but he just didn't know who he was. He was, oh, Eli, that, that must be you. You know, what do you want me to do? Three different times. But here's the big point. We can look at Samuel and say, oh, the boy didn't even recognize the voice of God. Or we can look at Samuel and say, you know what? At least he was close enough to the presence of God to hear his voice and many of us many of you that's where that's where that that's where you are i i I haven't i want to hear god's voice pastor brandon but i just i don't think i'm that good i mean i think i gotta be in this thing for some no 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 you gotta start somewhere samuel was close enough to the ark of god to the ark of the covenant that maybe he didn't know everything and maybe you don't know everything Maybe you don't know fifty scriptures. Maybe you don't know even John three sixteen. Maybe you just got saved last night. It does not matter. It's completely irrelevant. The point is, is that you come close to the presence of God. That you at least hear His voice. And what will happen over time? Jesus says, "My sheep know My voice." And a stranger's voice, they will not obey. But here's the cool part. Sheep is not baby. That's a lamb is like a baby sheep. And so I believe even what Jesus was saying there over time as you grow and as you mature and the more time you come before me and the more time you you are asleep near the ark, the more time you're chasing after the presence of God, the more passion, the more zeal as that begins to grow, the more time that you spend with me, there will come a point where all I have to do is whisper. And you hear me, but I do believe in our early stages, God is willing to shout because he loves you. Not in a mean way, get over here, (laughs) but just, hey, come this way. Separate yourself from that crowd. Don't do that. Go speak to this person. I have a word. That's how passionate He is about you hearing His voice. We're not talking about something spooky or kooky here, but we are talking about something supernatural, so make no mistake, this is supernatural. We believe in the supernatural. We believe that our God is alive and well today and moving in the hearts of men through the Holy Spirit. My sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not obey. Not my lambs, my sheep. So over time as you mature in this thing long enough he'll be able to speak at a gentle whisper and you'll say here I am Lord right here I heard you I didn't hear you last time I didn't know who you were last week I didn't know what you were three months ago but here I am having had quiet times consistently seeking you I heard your voice Lord and now I will obey Samuel gives us a pattern you guys it's all it is. It's not rules. It's not legal. It's just, it's a pattern. It's principles that I believe if you'll allow these things to, if you apply them to your heart and apply them to your life, you'd be amazed at where you are even a year from now. Next conference at desperation, you'll be prophesying over people spot on, target on because you heard the gentle whisper of God. Does that make sense to you guys? He speaks to those who, makes the time, who make the time to listen. Last thing about Samuel. And this is what's so beautiful. And this is what I want it to be said about every single one of you. That's why I'm so passionate about this, you guys. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. I don't believe that exact phrase or description is used for anyone else in the Old Testament, especially prophets. Of course, Jesus but even in the new testament he let none of his words fall to the ground one of my favorite verses in the bible is isaiah 40 and 3 the lord my god has given me the tongue of the learned that i may know how to speak a word in season to those who are weary morning by morning he awakens my heart to hear him one of my favorite verses i want that to be said about you guys He let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Verse 21. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through what? Through what? Through what? Through what? Not his feelings, not his emotions, not his dreams, not his fascinations, but through God's word, there was revelation that began to increase over the course of Samuel's life. And we look at Samuel confronting kings and and rising up and being influential and anointed the first, you know, a a king of Israel being Saul and all these different things. And I believe that God wants to use you in a mighty way, but he will use those who are committed to to living in passion before him all of your days. Amen? Amen. Those who finish well are the ones with a history of sleeping near the ark, chasing after the presence of God, having daily quiet times. On every head, bow every eye, closed. right now. Holy Spirit of the living God, I thank you that you are in this place. You're moving on every heart, walking in between aisles, even down here at the front, just saying, whosoever will, the invitation is extended. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do. God, I thank you for an impartation of passion, zeal, and fervor Even as you have imparted to me through those who I've served under and those who I've learned from for years, God, I ask you for divine impartation of zeal and spiritual fervor for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for truth encounters even now. I just want to respond to God. I want you to stand to your feet really, really quickly and lift up your hands real, real quick here because we don't have a whole bunch of time. Lift up both your hands to Jesus. If you were to respond and just say, you know what? I want to be a Samuel. I don't want to be a Hophni or Phinehas. I want to be a Samuel. I'm committing. I'm making a fresh commitment, Jesus, to be asleep near the ark. Chase after the presence of God. Have a quiet time. Even when I don't feel it, I'll seek your face. God, I pray every hand that is lifted. Every heart that's represented by hands lifted in this place, I ask you for an anointing now. Father, your anointing and your power can do on us and through us in minutes what takes the strength of man a lifetime to do. I ask of you right now, release a fresh anointing, Jesus. Hunger, spiritual fervor, zeal, passion for God. Passion for God's word and passion for God's house. I thank you that 10 years from now, these teenagers will be found in the house of the Lord, serving and and helping to equip others to follow after Jesus. God, I thank you someone will be married by that point or 15 years from now. God, I thank you that even at home, they'll have spiritual fervor and zeal because of a commitment even today and coming into covenant with you, asking for your grace. God, impartation even now, Lord Jesus, as hands are lifted, would you pour out upon us, Holy Spirit? In the last days, you pour out your spirit on all flesh. I thank you, sons and daughters, being raised up even in this moment to prophesy because we know your voice. God, I thank you for those who have to make tough decisions even. That God, clarity would come to them. Those who are discouraged and weak or or feel condemned for not having a quiet time in months, much less days. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you deal with the shame. Wipe it away even now, oh God. By the power of your Holy Spirit, deal with it right now through the power of the cross. God, I thank you. Spiritual fervor and zeal that it will be said of these that they they are the desperate ones. Holy passion, holy pursuit of God. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill even now. It's really hard to do this without the Holy Spirit. Just ask God, fill me with the Holy Spirit even now. Come on, just ask Him, even at a whisper, Holy Spirit, fill me even now. Baptize me in your fire. Baptize me in your fire, God give me a heavenly language even to pray in God fill me even now baptize me overflow fill me again Lord with your spirit till it's overflowing where the passion that we have is simply an overflow of the passion that is coming from the throne of God in your name we pray in your name we pray for your glory Jesus In your authority, Jesus. By your grace and your grace alone. I speak to Timothy 2 and 1 over them. Be strong in the grace of God. Be strong only in the grace of God. Not your own strength to have quiet times to follow Jesus. I thank you for noticeable differences in their quiet times and the consistency thereof. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We love you. Enjoy your lunch break. We'll be right back here at two o'clock for an incredible man of God who's gonna be speaking, John Gray. You don't wanna miss it. Love you guys so much.